Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Why do we have a five-day work week? And could changes from the pandemic be enough to finally implement the long-held fantasy of the four-day work week? Are we looking at a passwordless login landscape in our near future? And vinyl is more popular than CDs, but could disruptions to supply and demand change that? Here are some of the cool things from the news today. After a year of disruption, a lot has the potential to change in the way we work. Whether or not anything actually will remains to be seen, but, you know, apart from more remote working and virtual options, another big question being asked is if we really need to be working as much as we do. Why do we have a Monday through Friday 9 to 5 for most office jobs? Does it still make sense in the 21st century when some people are able to check in on work at all hours of the day and all days of the week? Did it ever make sense? And is it time to change it up? The concept of a five-day work week goes back to a New England mill in 1908, who essentially gave workers both Saturday and Sunday off to accommodate both Jewish and Christian workers. The two-day weekend caught on during the Great Depression even more because shorter hours were seen as a remedy to underemployment, according to The Atlantic. But even the idea of a week lasting seven days is a fairly arbitrary man-made invention dating back to the Babylonians 4,000 years ago and based on their belief of there being seven planets in the solar system. Jewish people also adopted a seven-day week around the same time, and there are varying theories on that origin. And while various faiths and governments have often given at least one day off a week, the concept of a weekend didn't emerge until the late 19th century. And the idea that workers would get a full two days off, as I said, came about in the early 20th. So is it really so wild to change things up now? especially for jobs that are so different from the ones that originated this system. Quoting The Atlantic, A 1965 Senate subcommittee predicted Americans would work 14-hour weeks by the year 2000. And before that, back in 1928, John Maynard Keynes wrote that technological advancement would bring the work week down to 15 hours within 100 years. End quote. Alright, so we're pretty far from that, but study after study has indicated that 40 hours, and especially the more than 40 that so many people actually work, is limiting productivity and bad for our health. And now, the world's largest trial to date of a four-day work week has released its findings, and it was an overwhelming success. Quoting the BBC, In Iceland, the trials run by Reykjavik City Council and the national government eventually included more than 2,500 workers, which amounts to about 1% of Iceland's working population. A range of workplaces took part, including preschools, offices, social service providers, and hospitals. Many of them moved from a 40-hour work week to a 35- or 36-hour week, researchers from UK think tank Autonomy and the Association for Sustainable Democracy in Iceland said. The trials led unions to renegotiate working patterns, and now 86% of Iceland's workforce have either moved to shorter hours for the same pay or will gain the right to, the researchers said. End quote. And part of the findings were that workers felt less stressed out, had a better work-life balance, better overall health, less risk of burnout, and said they spend more time with families, doing household tasks, and or enjoying hobbies. 
Trials are also currently being run or about to begin in Spain, Japan, and Ireland, as well as with Unilever's staff in New Zealand. But there's another company who recently announced their own pilot program of the four-day workweek, and its decision has some thinking that the four-day workweek might start catching on more broadly here in the U.S. That company is Brooklyn-based Kickstarter, who announced that their employees will be given four-day workweeks starting next year with no reduction in pay. And while the four-day work week has previously been adopted by smaller U.S. companies like Buffer, Kickstarter is one of the bigger ones to announce a trial. Many companies and governments around the world that are adopting or at least piloting shorter work weeks have taken cues from the nonprofit Four Day Week Global, which was founded by Andrew Barnes and Charlotte Lockhart in 2018. Lockhart and Barnes founded the organization after successfully testing out a four-day workweek at their New Zealand-based company, Perpetual Guardian. In addition to happier employees with less turnover, they also saw increased productivity, revenue, and profitability. Now, the pair encourages other companies and national governments to adopt the practice. According to some of their reports, 63% of businesses found it easier to attract and retain talent with a four-day workweek policy, and in the United Kingdom specifically, switching to a four-day workweek could reduce the country's carbon footprint by over 20% by 2025. Co-founder Lockhart noted to CNBC, quote, There's a younger generation heading into the workforce that has a very different view on how they want to engage with work and the impact that work has on their lives and the planet, end quote. And Barnes thinks the time is ripe for the change, since we've discovered so many more ways we can work during the pandemic. He told CNBC, quote, If anyone had said two years ago you could run a multinational company from your kitchen table and the rest of your staff was working from home, we would have thought that was nuts. End quote. Crucial to the shorter workweek is keeping pay the same and adopting various other practices unique to each workplace. For example, Microsoft Japan experienced a 40% boost in productivity when they tested a four-day workweek in 2019, but part of that was because they additionally capped meetings at 30 minutes. Iceland also capped meeting times or canceled ones they didn't really need and put a big focus on delegating and prioritizing tasks more effectively. It doesn't always work exactly for everyone, though. Quoting CNBC, Yet when Sweden experimented with reducing hours at an elder care facility from an eight-hour day to six, it came with the increased cost of hiring additional workers. The program ended in 2017. And while France famously has a 35-hour work week, there have been reports that workers actually tend to work more than that. End quote. I think it really takes a lot of thought, planning, and probably a rough transition period to make this the right move for every workplace and every industry. But that might just be it, you know? Maybe the four-day work week isn't right for every industry. But why have we been assuming that the five-day work week is? Maybe it's time to look at that 9-to-5 or the 40-hour work week, however it's split up, and really question what is best for which jobs, instead of just assuming that what worked at some mills and factories in the 1910s is what works for every job in 2021. Whether you're sick of trying to remember the right password for all the different accounts you log into every day, or are worried that the steps you've taken to have more security in your password-protected accounts isn't enough, I have good news for you. A secure, passwordless world is in our future. 
it might just take a while to get there. And not necessarily because the technology isn't here. It pretty much is. It's just a matter of rolling it out in a way that takes off. And what does passwordless login even mean? Mostly biometrics, like your fingerprint or face scan, or physical tokens that you plug into your device, like a literal key in a lock. They work locally on your device so that companies you're signing up with don't have to store your passwords in their servers. And while physical tokens can obviously be stolen, they usually come in conjunction with a local PIN number that you can use after plugging it in. So it's not completely passwordless, but considering that's the only thing you'd have to memorize and it wouldn't be stored anywhere online, it's a huge upgrade. And we're definitely on the precipice of wider adoption here. Quoting Wired, At the end of June, Microsoft's Windows 11 announcement included deeper integration of passwordless sign-ins, particularly for logging into devices using biometrics or a PIN. Similarly, Apple announced a few weeks earlier that its new iOS 15 and macOS Monterey operating systems will start to incorporate a new option called passkeys in iCloud Keychain, a step toward using biometrics or device pins to log into more services. And in May, Google discussed its efforts to promote secure password management at the same time that it works to move customers away from passwords. End quote. And like considerations around the four-day work week, the time is right. We're experiencing a whole wave of changes in our lives, and as Secret Double Octopus CSO and co-founder Shimrit Sir-David explained in a recent interview, phishing attempts and various forms of cyber attacks have been on the rise with remote working. She said, quote, Employees at all levels need constant access to files, networks, and IT management assets to allow businesses continuity while working from home, which makes the organization's security that much more vulnerable to cyber attacks. Many security procedures and monitoring tools rely on metadata and behavioral data, which is skewed now that most work is remote, and if employees compromise their accounts by divulging passwords, it can be much harder to discover. End quote. Fortunately, the technology is here. Mark Risher, Google's Senior Director of Product Management for Identity and Security Platforms, said in Wired, quote, All the building blocks have reached a level of maturity where they can cross from early adopter technophiles to the mainstream, end quote. But I'm personally not sure we're completely there yet. I mean, I think we could get to mostly mainstream, maybe, but definitely not in every one thing. Wired points out that the transition will be a bumpy one, as it necessitates breaking people's deep familiarity with the practice and understanding of passwords. But there's also the fact that a lot of people only have one device, or share one device among multiple people, so some of these new solutions simply wouldn't work for everyone. And even where they straight up wouldn't work, there are a lot of use cases in which they'd be super inconvenient. You know, how often are you borrowing someone's phone to, say, place an order or take a photo of them or check their texts while they're driving? And then the phone screen locks and you have to wait for them to put their finger on the phone or have it scan their face before you can access it. It might only get even more annoying than that. One password chief product manager Akshay Bhargava shares some concerns about passwordless logins, quoting Wired again, for example, biometrics are ideal for authentication in many ways because they literally convey your unique physical presence, but using biometrics widely opens up the question of what happens if data about, say, your fingerprints or face is stolen and can be manipulated by attackers to impersonate you. And while you can change your password on a whim, their single best quality is authenticators, your finger, face, voice, or heartbeat are immutable. End quote. 
As Wired concludes, quote, It'll take time and more experimentation to create a passwordless ecosystem that can replace all the functionality of passwords, especially one that doesn't leave behind the billions of people who don't own a smartphone or multiple devices. It's harder to share accounts with trusted people in a passwordless world, and tying everything to one device like your phone creates even more incentive for hackers to compromise that device, end quote. All of this said, if you're not using a password manager yet, I linked to another Wired article in the show notes with a good roundup of recommendations for choosing one and some basic info on why to use one, what to look for, and some other best practices. Because until the world does go fully passwordless, we've got to stay vigilant with our less-than-perfect solutions. So I've got another shortage report for you, sort of, and this is one that I wasn't exactly expecting. Vinyl records. Now, you may have heard, maybe I even said it on the podcast, that last year, 2020, marked the first year that vinyl records beat CDs in total revenue since 1980. They've been on the rise in popularity in a big way over the past decade or so, and with cancelled concerts leading artists to instead release LPs, and people trying to both recreate more meaningful music experiences and support their favorite artists, the vinyl market grew 28.7% in 2020, according to the Record Industry of America. And like most shortages we've talked about on this show, the industry has struggled to keep pace with that demand, due in part to COVID-related constraints and supply chain challenges that began before the pandemic. Quoting Vice, In Billboard, an anonymous music executive speculated that pressing plants around the globe have the capacity to manufacture 160 million albums a year. But to meet what the market wants, they'd have to make somewhere between 320 to 400 million. I don't think we're at the worst of it yet, said Jody Whalen, who runs the Nashville-based Oh Boy Records. I think alarm bells are going off, but this holiday season is going to be bad, and next year will probably be even worse. It'll keep compounding. End quote. And another reason the supply chain has been disrupted? Big box chains have entered the market. They account for a larger percentage of sales than in previous years and are placing big orders. Brandon Seavers, CEO of vinyl manufacturer Memphis Records, told Billboard, quote, In 2020, the average order on a title was 3,700. Now, the average order is 7,000 to 8,000, end quote. And right on cue, Amazon has also announced a Record of the Month Club, which will no doubt add to the disruption. And of course, it's these small and indie labels that end up losing out when the big box stores take up so much time and capacity from the pressing plants. Super Records co-founder Glennon Curran told Vice that delays are so bad right now that pressing plants are telling them to order the repress, which is like a second pressing of the same album, at the same time as the original pressing. Some labels have had to push new artists' debut releases until 2022. Others are getting more creative, like band Damon and Naomi, who put together a 48-page zine to go with their record. The zine will be shipped out for the regular album release date in August, even though the LP won't actually go out until an undetermined time in 2022. They called it basically a deluxe LP without the LP. But another way that labels are getting creative releasing albums on CD again. Vice notes that a lot of the labels and musicians they spoke to think this might be the thing that finally brings back CDs. 
The only problem with that is CD players seem to be even tougher to get your hands on these days than record players, so if you were finally going to throw out that Walkman or upgrade your car stereo from CD to Bluetooth, maybe hold off just a bit. It might finally be relevant again. So, in a sign of the times, outlets including Scientific American, The Guardian, Al Jazeera, and La Republica will now be using the term climate emergency instead of climate change. They say this is in keeping with the consensus of over 13,000 scientists from around the world insisting we must take bold action to save the planet from an increasingly severe threat. The hope is the term will help people recognize how dire the situation and its already present consequences are, let alone what could be to come. So it's definitely a sobering development, but hopefully one which does some good in furthering actions that need to be taken. Shout out to Jason for posting this news in a quick link over on cocky.org where I first saw it. But that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and cocky.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.